In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today, actually, our Bible study will be short. We will do uh, from Matthew chapter 22, starting from verse 23 to verse 46. Let's start from verse 23. The same day the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him and asked him. In the first uh, half of the chapter, there was a conversation between the Pharisees and the Herodians. And the Lord Jesus Christ, he came actually to test the Lord Jesus Christ, trying to catch him with the word. And the Lord was able to silence the Pharisees and the Herodians. Now the term is for the Sadducees to test him. Who are the Sadducees? They were a religious party that was for the most part composed of the chief priests. So this party was composed mainly of the chief priests. They got their name from the founder of this sect. His name is Sadot. The Sadducees did not believe in a physical resurrection of the dead, like the Pharisees. The Pharisees believed in the resurrection of the dead, but not the Sadducees. Also, the Sadducees counted among their supporters the wealthy people and the aristocracy. So they were very strong a party, because it is composed mainly of the chief priests supported by the wealthy and the aristocrats. As I told you, they did not believe in physical resurrection of the dead. And also, they observed only the five books of Moses. They did not observe the book of the prophets. So, not like the Pharisees. Pharisees accepted all other books of the sacred scripture. And also Pharisees accepted the oral tradition. But the Sadducees accepted only the five books of Moses. So they came to the Lord Jesus Christ asking him a very hypothetical question about the resurrection. They are to, trying to make like a problem for the Lord Jesus Christ so he cannot solve it. And thus, they will be, yani, catch him in a word. So that is their question. Saying, teacher, Moses said that if a man dies having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. Actually, they uh, present their argument 
uh, about or against the doctrine of resurrection based on what is written in Deuteronomy chapter 25 from verse 5 to 10. In Deuteronomy 25 verse 5 to 10 in the law of Moses, Moses said if a man dies and he doesn't have any children, then his brother will marry the widow in order to raise up offspring to the deceased person. So they proposed for the Lord Jesus Christ an extreme hypothetical case of a woman who married in turn seven times to brothers. As we read in verse 25, now there were with us seven brothers. The first died after he had married, and having no offspring, left his wife to his brother. Likewise the second also, and the third, even to the seventh. Last of all, the woman died also. And here is a question. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife of the seven will shall be? For they all had her. So, the conclusion of this story, they asked the Lord whose wife she will be in the resurrection. Let us see how the Lord handled this. Before answering the question in verse 29, the Lord said, Jesus answered and said to them, You are mistaken, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. So, here actually the answer was shockingly strong rebuke to them. I want to remind you, I told you, these are the chief priests. But the Lord told them, you are mistaken. Uh, and telling them they don't understand the resurrection, they don't understand the scripture, they don't understand the power of God. So, their unbelief in the resurrection based because lack of understanding of the scripture and lack of understanding of the power of God. Had they known the scripture, if they knew the scripture, they would not have fallen into this error to deny the resurrection and to ask whose wife she will be. Since in the uh, scripture there is abundant testimonies about the resurrection. And also, they did not understand the power of God because it is not difficult for the power of God which created and formed all things from nothing to raise body again even after it became dust and ashes. So he told them, the lack of belief in resurrection because you don't understand the scripture and also you don't understand the power of God. Then verse 30 he explained to them, For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, 
the question whose wife she will be. But in the resurrection, they're neither married nor are given in marriage, but are like angels of God in heaven. When he said like an angel, not in every aspect, because angels are spirits only, but we in heaven actually, we will have bodies, because our body will be raised, yes, in a glorified way, but we are body and spirit. So, uh, when the Lord said, like an angel, he is speaking in particular about marriage. How angels don't marry, so in resurrection there is no marriage. Also will be like angel in the immortality. Uh, and we will be like angel, our joy will be completely spiritual. So we'll be like angel in these aspects. Then the Lord actually tried to answer their question about resurrection. So in verse 31, he told them, But concerning the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. The Lord Jesus Christ, whenever he challenged his opponents uh, and to challenge this, their misguided understanding, he used to say this word, have you not read? Have you not read? And the Lord Jesus Christ, in answering them, he answered them from the five books of Moses because he believed only in the five books of Moses. So he did not answer them from the prophets, he did not answer them from historical books, but actually he wanted to correct them from the books that they uh, accept. And uh, and he told them, it is written in the book of Exodus, when God appeared to Moses, he said to Moses, I am the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. And here the Lord did not say, I was the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. He said, I am. The present tense shows that he is still the God of the departed patriarch, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God is not God of death, he is God of living. So, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is still in existence. These patriarchs did in our eyes physically, but they are still alive in the eyes of God because their souls are in the paradise and uh, the soul is immortal, doesn't die. Yes, during this time, the souls of the uh, patriarch were in Hades and until the crucifixion and God 
transferred them from Hades to the paradise of joy. So here we can see the Sadducees who considered themselves to be the authoritative interpreters of the Torah of Moses and the shepherds of Israel don't understand the Torah. And that's why the Lord told them, have you not read? Have you not read? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Verse 33. And when the multitudes heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. The multitude were amazed not only at an interpretation which was entirely new to them and which opened to them some of the depths of that scripture of which they had been taught and knew only the letter, not the depth of the, of the words. But also they were amazed because the Lord Jesus Christ showed that he looked into the hearts of men and he saw the motive behind this question. When they asked it, they did not have a problem of seven brothers and one wife. Actually, they were asking this question to challenge the Lord Jesus Christ and to test him. So their motive was not a clean motive. Actually, they wanted to test him in order to catch him with any word that he might say. In the Gospel of St. Mark and the Gospel of St. Luke, both St. Mark and St. Luke recorded the admiration of the, of, of the multitude. They said to the Lord, Teacher, you have spoken well. You have spoken well. Verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Now the Pharisees come again as a group to test the Lord Jesus Christ. I told you in the first half of this chapter, the Lord silenced the Pharisees and the Herodians. But now, they come again to test the Lord Jesus Christ. But, but they did not come as a group to test him. They selected one scribe who, who was an expert in the law. Lawyer here doesn't mean attorney. Lawyer here means expert in the law of Moses. To ask the Lord Jesus Christ uh, another question. Why they did not ask him as a group? Why they chose one person? Probably they thought that if the Lord silenced this person, then this person alone may appear to be refuted. Not all of them. And if this person actually was victorious in testing the Lord Jesus Christ, then all of them will be conquerors. That's why they did not come as a group, but sent one person. Verse 35. 
However, in the Gospel of St. Mark, we read that this scholar was impressed by the Lord's answer to the Sadducees in defense of resurrection. That's why he was motivated to ask the Lord Jesus Christ. So, what was the question? Verse 36, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? The Jews divided the commandments into greater and lesser. But there was no agreement in particulars. What are the greatest commandments and what are the least commandments? The Talmud counted the positive laws of Moses at 248. Positive means do this, do this, do this. And the negative, don't, 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 365. So the total commandments are 613. And the Jews said, it's very difficult for anybody to keep the 613 commandment. This person should be an angel to, to keep all these commandments. So they were questioning, what is the greatest commandment? hoping that if they keep the greatest commandment, this will be considered as if they kept the whole law. Uh, then the Lord answered in verse 37, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. The law answered from the Torah. These two passages from the Torah. The first and greatest commandment is from Deuteronomy, Chapter 6, verse 5, summing up our relationship with God. And the person who loves God genuinely and supremely cannot live in disobedience with God. And the second commandment from Leviticus, chapter 19, verse 18, and it summarizes actually our relationship with one another and implies my relationship with myself because love your neighbor as yourself implies you love yourself too but here I'm speaking about the selfish love but I'm speaking about love yourself to save it and one who loves his neighbor as himself will seek the welfare of those around him so in quoting these passages, the Lord Jesus Christ is summing up the entire law upon which, as the Lord said, the Torah, the book of prophets are, are based in these two commandments. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And even the Ten Commandments, as you know, the Ten Commandments were divided into four commandments and six commandments. The four, first four about my relationship with God. 
The second, uh, from number five to number ten, is about my relationship with others. So the whole Bible can be summarized in these two commandments. Love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as yourself. And I think there is a song for the children says, the Bible in a word is love. Yes, the Bible in a word is love. And here actually, it is evident that our salvation does not depend only on faith. Yes, faith is very important and is the foundation which comes first. But also, love, which means good works toward one another and toward God. So, love of God and love of our neighbor is essential also for our salvation. Uh, in the Gospel of St. Mark, St. Mark recorded to us how the scribe praised the Lord Jesus Christ when he answered him. And the response of this scribe showed the Lord that the scribe had correct understanding of the scripture. That's why the Lord said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. You are not far from the kingdom of God, as we read it in Mark chapter 12, from verse 28 to verse 34. Verse 41, While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. Here the Lord actually is turning the table on the Pharisees and asked them a question quoting Psalm 101, sorry, 110, Psalm 110. He wanted to show the people that the source of all these misleading questions of his opponent was their ignorance of the prophecies relative to the Messiah. All these chapters, chapter 22, questions from the Pharisees, the Herodians, the Sadducees, and this scribe, all these unloyals, questions to the Lord Jesus Christ to test him. Why? Because they did not believe in the Messiah. If they believed in the Messiah, if they believed in the Messiah, they would not ask all these questions. So the Lord here is trying to treat the foundation of all these misleading questions to bring them to repentance. So he asked them, who is the Christ? And it was very known that Christ is the son of David. That's why they answered him without any hesitation when he, when he asked them, who do you think about Christ, whose son is he? They said to him, the son of David. Then he said to them, how then does David in the spirit call him Lord? Saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit 
at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. If David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? So he told them, he is now addressing the Pharisees who believed in the Psalms. He told them in Psalm 110, and you believe that these Psalms are written by the Holy Spirit. But David, he was speaking about the Christ, his son, but calling him the Lord. When he said, the Lord, God the Father, said to my Lord, to the Son. So, the first Lord is God the Father. Second Lord, God the Son. The Lord said to my Lord, the Father said to the Son, to the Messiah, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your food stool. So, the Lord is asking them, whether Christ is the son of David or the Lord of David. They said he is the son of David. But David, by the Holy Spirit, is saying he is the Lord of David. Of course, the Lord is not trying to convince them that the Messiah is not the Lord of David or the Messiah is not the son of David. Of course not. But the Lord wants to explain to them the divinity of Christ. Christ is God-man. God-man means what? God who became man. So, in the flesh, he is the son of David. But even before David was born, the son is the Lord of David. So there is no contradiction. Yes, he is the son of David because in his incarnation he came from the offspring of David. But he is the Lord of David, he is God of David because the Messiah is God who came in the flesh. So Christ shows them by David's own words that he was the Lord of David as well as the son of David. And they did not actually, they could not answer him. So again, the Lord Jesus Christ does not wish them to think that the Messiah is not the son of David, but he was correcting their opinion about the Messiah. He is God and man, God-man in the same time. St. John Chrysostom said, When therefore he asks how he is the Son, he teaches them that he is not after the manner they understand it, just mere son of David, but what is much more, he is the Lord of David as well. So he was correcting their understanding. Uh, and we, we see here how the Jews did not attempt to deny the conclusion of our Lord question, which was the Messiah is not only the son of David, but also the Lord of David. And uh, it's clear they could not actually uh, deny this 
conclusion as we read in verse 46 and no one was able to answer him a word nor from that day on did anyone dare question him anymore so there was no other way of invalidating the argument the only way to invalidate the argument of our Lord Jesus Christ is to deny that this prophecy is about Jesus Christ. Psalm 110 is about the Lord Jesus Christ. But they cannot actually argue this with him because this prophecy, Psalm 110, was fully and generally understood to be belong to the Messiah. That's why they did not say this psalm is not about the Messiah. And that's why no one was able to answer him a word. Uh, so in this chapter, we see how the Lord put the four great sects of the Jews to silence. The Herodians, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes. In one day, he put, and, uh, and the scribes, yes, he put the four a great sex of the Jews to silence. The Herodian and the Pharisees wanted to know whether they pay taxes to Caesar or not, and he silences them. Sadducees asked about the resurrection of the dead, and he silences them. The scribe asked about what is the greatest uh, commandment in the law, and he silences him. That's why from this time, uh, we do not find that our Lord Jesus Christ was any more troubled with their malicious questions. Nobody asked him any more questions. Their whole, uh, actually, uh, trial or effort to test the Lord Jesus Christ was exhausted. And now they calmly, calmly deliberate on the most effective way to get him murdered because they they failed to test him and to catch him in a word. That's why they start to plan how to kill him. This actually uh, yeah, concluded the second part of the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 22. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.